be still and know that God is here. Be still and know that God is here. Be still and know that God is here. In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen. Oscar Wilde once wrote, Life is not complex. We are complex. Life is simple. And the simple thing is often the right thing. I thought about these words after reading our gospel text for this morning from the gospel according to John. The reading today is short and Jesus' words to the disciples are straightforward and direct. One might say they lay out a simple path. A simple path for our too often complex lives. But before we get too far into the text, let's remember the context. Let's remember that while we are right now indeed in the season that the church calls Eastertide, these 50 days between our celebration of Easter and Pentecost, in which we celebrate the power and the promise of God's love as we live into the mystery of the story of the resurrection. But today's story from the Gospel text comes from a pre-resurrection moment. Today's reading comes during the Last Supper, one of the most tender moments, after Jesus has knelt down in front of his disciples and washed their feet. Judas has already left to go and betray him, and now he speaks to them of this final commandment, this final mandate. Above all else, once he has gone, he implores them to love one another. In other words, choose love. Simple, right? Choosing love sounds so clear and so simple. Simple doesn't mean easy. Simple doesn't mean it won't be hard at times. Simple doesn't even mean it will always be obvious. But in this case, choosing love is what Jesus offers as a new commandment, a way to remember who he was in our lives when he was with the disciples and how they are to follow him and now we are as well after he is gone. And of course, they don't really get it. <laughs> Not really. Here was their Rebbe, their teacher, their Messiah, their friend and leader, telling them that after this sacred meal, he was going to leave and not be with them anymore. He also was telling them that where he was going, they couldn't go with him. How could they wrap their heads and hearts around this new way of being in the world without him by their side? What would it mean to follow Jesus once he was gone? And frankly, I have some of those very same thoughts now, even from time to time. What does it feel like and look like for us to follow Jesus? But thank God we have each other on this journey, and we can keep showing up with and for each other again and again, helping us find our way helping us figure out what it means to walk the way of love. But even if life is not complex, we are, as Oscar, Oscar Wilde says, we are complex, and choosing love 
simple as it may have sounded then or now, is indeed difficult and sometimes awfully hard. Why is that the case? Why is the simple, clear, and compelling mandate to choose love so challenging at times? Is it because we feel some people are unworthy of love? Are we afraid that if we choose love, we won't be loved in return? Is it simply that it's too risky to choose love? In 1960, C.S. Lewis wrote a wonderful book called The Four Loves, and in it he summarizes four kinds of human love, affection, friendship, erotic love, and love of God. And in his chapter on the love of God, he wrote this insightful and I believe helpful perspective. He writes, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken open. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, and airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will simply become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. Because to love is to be vulnerable. To love is to be vulnerable. I think that is the answer. That is the answer why choosing love is sometimes so challenging. Following this mandate given to us by Jesus at the end of this Last Supper that night, just as surely as he gave it to the disciples that day, is still so very hard. Choosing love means risking so much. Our comfort, our certitude, our deeply held beliefs, our patterns of thinking, all of it is put at risk when we choose love first. Choosing love is almost always messy and complicated. Just take a second, think about your own life right now, and I guarantee you, you don't have to think too hard or too far into the future to know that you will bump up against a messy moment when choosing love is the path that you are on. Seeing how others choose love, though, sometimes can be wildly inspiring and helpful. Last week, a few of us went to an event to hear Episcopal priest Becca Stevens. Over 25 years ago, as a young priest in Nashville, Tennessee, Becca decided to choose love when she began Thistle Farms. After experiencing the death of her father and subsequent child abuse when she was five years old, Becca longed to, be, to open a sanctuary for survivors, offering a healing community grounded in love. And after years of working on this vision in 1997, she opened the first Magdalene House, a sanctuary for five women who had experienced trafficking, violence, and addiction. Four years later, Becca chose love again when she realized that a safe place for these women was not enough. While the women were making great strides in recovery, 
they were still struggling to become financially self-sufficient due to employment barriers. No one would hire these women because of their backgrounds. So to address this, Becca and volunteers and residents began making candles in a church basement. And in 2001, Thistle Farms Social Enterprise was born. Today, in 2022, this social enterprise provides both a gateway and permanent jobs for survivors in the program, as well as an abundance of revenue for this mission. Women survivors provide leadership roles in every department, and over this past year alone, Thistle Farms reached more than 40,000 customers, providing over $2 million in income for survivors. For 25 years, even when their road was messy and the path was not always clear, Thistle Farms has been a light, has lit a pathway of healing and hope for women survivors of trafficking, prostitution, and addiction. It is now the largest nonprofit social enterprise of its kind, dedicated to helping women survivors recover and heal from prostitution, trafficking, and addiction. Each day they choose love, all of them, in ways small and large, by providing women a safe place to live, a meaningful job, and a lifelong sisterhood of support. Trinity's 10-year vision includes a dream to also offer some kind of a social enterprise as well. Collectively, we have dreamed of a program, not unlike Thistle Farms, that will meet the needs of our particular community in Toledo and offer a safe place and a path to financial freedom to those who might otherwise be forgotten or never given a first, let alone a second chance. It will be hard work in the weeks and months and years to come, and it will take many of our hands and hearts to bring this to fruition. And it will require, no doubt, choosing love again and again and again, and I can't wait. I suspect Jesus knew all about the tenacity that it takes for choosing love. Jesus also, time and time again, stared into the face of this requirement of making himself vulnerable whenever he was engaged in ministry. Choosing love put him in what others would describe as the wrong places and with the so-called wrong people, often challenging religious authorities and oppressive systems by speaking back and speaking up for those who didn't have a voice. And in the end, it was the aggregate of all of those choices, choosing love again and again and again, that led Jesus to the cross. And then three days later, it was once again the power and the mystery of that love that conquered the stories that had been told about the power of death and instead gave us a different ending to the story and a different ending for us. So all of this has me wondering wondering about what, what it would look like if we could imagine ourselves choosing love as the most core and simple mandate of our faith. What would that look like? Would it be enough? Would it make a difference? Of course, we know that we are called to love one another, and it's not hard to convince each other of how important that is, of course. But is Jesus's mandate today at the very center of our faith journey. Sometimes I think our faith gets clouded 
and diluted when we let other things creep into the center and become more of a primary focus. Things like, well, creeds and rules. Sometimes our myopic focus on doing worship just so, or the religious litany of do's and don'ts of any tradition. It seems to me that choosing love requires a little bit of letting go of some of that other stuff, some of that other stuff in order to become willing to risk making mistakes in order to try new things. Don't misunderstand me. I love our faith tradition, but I was also recently reminded that choosing love requires that every faith community diligently attend to its most authentic expression of who and how they are following in this way of love. I love that about Trinity. I pray that we will continue to find progressive, inclusive, creative, dynamic, expansive ways of expressing how God's love shows up in our lives and helps us choose love every day. Years ago, I read a wonderful book entitled A New Kind of Christianity by activist and public theologian Brian McLaren. It is framed around a set of 10 imaginative and provocative questions, carving out a path in order to reclaim and reimagine how we might embrace a new kind of Christianity. An expression of our faith that is at once just and generous and inclusive and can be embraced and respected by people of all faiths working together for the common good. I want to end this morning by sharing an extensive section from that book as it seems to capture so well today's invitation for us to again and again choose love, to choose love as our guiding principle and talisman. Here is what Brian McLaren writes. The diverse and decentralized Christian movement of the future will need to be radically collaborative, working with across, and when necessary, outside of and in spite of existing institutions to seek the common good. It will not be an anti-institutional approach because institutions are necessary for human survival, but neither will it be institutional in the sense that it is preoccupied with its own survival or bringing benefits only to its members from the inside. Rather, it will be trans-institutional, working across institutions, both religious and non-religious, seeking the common good of those inside and outside the movement and the institutions it involves. The most important aspect of this form of Christianity in the future is simple, obvious, and yet radical, because it is about choosing love as Jesus taught and embodied. Jesus began with love for God, but inseparably linked that love with love for neighbor, with the understanding that neighbor includes the other, the outsider, the outcast, the last, the least, the lost, the disgraced, the dispossessed, and the enemy. This love for neighbor was, in turn, inextricably related to an appropriate love for self, in fact, to love neighbor as oneself leads to the realization that oneself and one's neighbor are actually distinct, inseparable realities. 
So when I think of this kind of Christianity of the future, I think of a movement of revolutionary love. I see it as distinctly Christian, but not in any exclusive way, because if we truly see love as Jesus' main point and passion, then the depth of our devotion to Christ will always lead us to love our Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, Sikh, indigenous, non-religious, agnostic, atheist, and other neighbors as well. If we embody this emergent form of Christianity, if we become the seeds of a movement of revolutionary love, I can imagine hundreds of thousands of communities of faith, each a locally and globally engaged school of love, teaching future generations to discover, practice, and live in love. Love for our neighbor, love for ourselves, love for all creations and all creation, all reflecting expressions of what it means to love God, who is all in all in all. Hmm. I love the image of the church being a school of love, Maybe we could call it a dojo of compassion. With students, all of us committed to this mandate, this way of love, choosing love as our primary identity. So as we sit today with Jesus and the disciples, watching him sadly say goodbye for the last time, and hear him implore this mandate, this final set of instructions, May we write these words to choose love on our hearts as well with deep conviction. May we write these words on our hearts so that they inform who and how we are in the world every day. May they guide our choices and may they give us courage to do hard things. And may they stay at the center of our being no matter how complex our lives may become. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples.